You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. E-L-C. Yeah, there it is. When that robot voice pops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, oh, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to E-L-C. Especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. They make it possible. They support the show. And through their generosity, we get to continue. In exchange, we give them some cool extras, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, and bonus content, including an entire first season of Feeling This with Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talking about the feelings behind video games. Season 2 coming soon. We got bonus chats with all kinds of spoilers in them early for patrons. We got... The Wednesday show we call Paid DLC with Lana Bashinsky joining Christian Spicer and myself. It's wacky. It's wild. It's unscripted. We don't know where it's going every single week, but it's darn fun. And it's exclusive to Cool Ranch level patrons. And we also have the audio version of a brand new book club we just started called DLC Book Club, where Lana Bashinsky and myself are talking about the Malazan Books of the Fallen a fantasy series we've all be, we've uh, I've been wanting to read for a long time. That just started this week. So much great content, all for patrons at patreon.com slash pod. You can be one of them. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, Slash nemesis. The guy whose Easter eggs are always filled with chocolate. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I- I'm a I'm a I'm a jelly bean kind of guy. What? I mean, chocolate. We've talked, about, we've talked about the bad chocolate here in the States. Like if you give me some like good, you know, yeah, but like some Starburst jelly beans. There are nerd jelly beans I just learned about this year that are like jelly beans with ner- sweet tart jelly beans. Basically anything but jelly belly. Jelly our beans. uh our Easter bunny here locally in, in Denver, uh this the one in my house, the, the Easter yeah, bunny yeah. that comes to my house. Um put uh some uh Reese's peanut butter cups in a Easter egg. Guess what? The squirrels get to them real quick. The squirrels will get to your east. They don't get a plastic egg does not stop a squirrel. Let me tell no, you. No, 
Easter squirrels uh, don't play. Yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, partially eaten plastic eggs and and wrappers of Reese's peanut butter cups in our yard this morning. Anywho, uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about video games, and we got oh, we got such a great show for you, ladies and gentlemen. We got some uh, really interesting news to discuss, some cool games to get to, and we have an awesome guest to do that with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week. Oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Disabled Accessibility's Leading Charity. Because we have the Senior Director of Able Gamers, speaker, storyteller, advocate, and creator, Stephen Spawn is back with us. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Hey, how's it going? It's uh, It's been a while. It has. I think we had an entire pandemic in between the last time you yes. were on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. It seems like it's certainly been a decade or two. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. We, you were on in the before times, and I it's, was on, uh, it was. It was so long ago that I. I was listening to the the intro in the green room, and I'm like, I cannot match the energy that Jeff just put out. Like, <laughs> holy crap! That was like. Uh, that was like a, a sweat into the oldies, Richard Simmons level of introduction. I'm like, I can't live up to that. I, I'm, I'm in trouble. Well. You you are you are bringing the prestige because also in the interim, I think since the last time you you were on, you've won at least one, maybe multiple awards. Uh, uh, very impressive. Know, uh, a couple of awards here and there, but you know what? Uh, at the end of the day, they all hold the paper the same way. You know. <laughs> well, uh, we're 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 glad to see it. We're happy for you, and love what you do and what Able Gamers does. And in nice. fact, I know that uh, one of the reasons that you wanted to be on this week, and then we we love having you, is uh, Able Gamers has a big event coming up, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're doing our very first virtual gala. Um, it's it's a baby project of mine that I have just been so excited to release into the world. I've been working with uh, an amazing event coordinator named Maggie Judge, who has just been phenomenal in putting together a very first of its kind for the charity world event. Where imagine Stardew Valley meets Zoom, and you get to make a cool little character, bring it to a digital convention where you get to learn all about what Able Gamers does, meet the people who we've been helping, and your favorite creators. So we've got people like Little Simsy and Moistgrim from Markiplier's World and Ethan and all of the people that you love in your top tier Twitch are going to be there, and you can buy a ticket and come and hang out and get to talk to them for a couple hours. And then with the, the headliner from uh, Brian Weck from NSP. So I'm super excited. It's going to be awesome. That's phenomenal. So when is that happening and how do people get tickets? April 22nd, 4 p.m. Eastern. Until we drop, you can go to ablegamers.org slash gala and check out all the cool things. If you're into really cool swag, you can also purchase a ticket with an at-home box. It's this really cool box we're proud of that has all kinds of swag that you might pick up at the convention but you know what the thing is conventions are expensive four five six grand you know and our tickets are 25 bucks so come on out and wow. be virtually there and hang out with some of your favorite celebs that's fantastic and a great cause of course and uh, i just love this notion of kind of m- mixing a an event a, a hangout a virtual meet and greet with a video game yeah you know you're kind of doing it doing both things at the same time it's really really cool Trying to do something new and something innovative, and uh, we'll see how the community likes it in a couple of weeks. Very excited. Very excited. That's really, really cool, man. And uh, congratulations on your continued success. Uh, let's let's start wait, talking wait, Jeff, about the- Jeff, Jeff, sorry, Jeff. We got to do one thing. This is just for people on video and mostly just for me. Will you hold your shirt up? I know what it says, but with me? your mic blocking it, it looks oh, like it says sorry. something very different. There it is. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. It says rock, paper, scissors. It's- yeah. 
yes, it's an FCS shirt and rock paper scissors, but with the mic and you see part of it, it looked very. This is a clean show, Jeff. This is yeah. Rock paper scissors. (laughs) Rock. Yeah. Did it look like it said rock laser scissors? Is that the problem, Christian? Yes, that was yes. It said yes. (laughs) Rock super scissors is what I kept saying. I thought you were selling socks. I thought you really like socks. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess this shirt leaves the rotation for being on the. uh, All right. Or stays in whichever way you want to go. Do you want to start merchandising socks? Do it now. (laughs) There you go. I missed my calling as a sock. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. That's you can send anything. Stories, comments, questions. That's our email address, and we love getting to know you, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Another way to reach out and be part of the community is to hang out in one of our uh, one of our online communities, including our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or the Discord, which is also 5x5dlc on Discord. Great folks hanging out, talking games, and all sorts of other stuff. We urge you to take part. But for, uh, Stephen, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would oh. you consider to be your story of the week? I, I, th- I, I don't know that there was much else that I could think of to talk about, uh, whether or not there, there will be a PS5 Pro or not. I mean, you know, with, with PlayStation, they always seem like they're up to no good. They're up to <laughs> putting, out, putting out the stuff that we don't expect, you know, just putting out uh, recently the accessibility controller that I had to keep it secret for nearly three years. So <laughs> we know that they plot things out for a long time. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a cool announcement. Th- this one percolating. We don't know. We don't have any official confirmation, but uh, there has been or a do lot. We, of- Stephen, or do <laughs> we? Yeah, maybe you know something. Well, we for don't. just seventy-five thousand subs, you can just go ahead and uh, confirm or not. A <laughs> uh, lot, lot of rumors circulating around uh, the of a PS5 Pro. Obviously, PS4 had a Pro version. That came out, what, a couple years was it after the first PS4? Um, there have been sources confirming that PS5 Pro is in development and could release late 2024. So over a year away. Still, that seems rather soon for a console generation that still kind of is just getting its feet under it, still trying to get its wheels moving because, my goodness. Uh, we, how many games do we have that are exclusive to the PS5? Not very many. Uh, there's been a lot of cross-gen stuff up to this point. So having, and, and you know, PS5, obviously, with COVID and all the supply chain issues, has been a hard console to get your hands on if you want one. Uh, I think that has changed of late. But it does feel a bit soon perhaps or or it feels a little bit like whiplash when people are kind of just settling into the ps5 era to have an an update to that hardware how do you feel about it steven do you think it's too soon i mean you know the great thing now is with backwards compatibility being such a a thing in, in the universe now i mean you know a slightly different story but comparable where you know xbox turning off their emulation you know, it, you, you're always got these things where the consoles are constantly changing and evolving and adapting. And, and I think the, the the whiplash from buying 
a new system to have an upgrade to a new one is not good because people don't want to pay $400 again. So as long as you have a decent reason to do it, I think people will go along with it. Uh, But I think the one thing I always tell uh, both sides about when we're we're talking about accessibility or just video gaming in general, it's like, remember, uh, when it came to the last generation of Xbox and PlayStation, you know, in the in the beginning, Xbox was handily winning, and then eventually PlayStation came back. So could that happen again? I don't know. Right now, Xbox with Game Pass has it hands down, but mm. PlayStation's got tricks up their sleeves. Maybe this is the ace in the hole. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And, you know, it, according to these to these rumors, the big thing that the PS4 Pro, or excuse me, PS5 Pro <laughs> would push is uh, to, quote, accelerate ray tracing performance. Yeah. Um, Christian, let me ask you, you think that's uh, worthwhile? I mean, you and I both have what we like to call beefy GPs we, we, on our PCs, and we like the all the bells and whistles turned on. We like our ray tracing. Um, I, you know, I don't think we've seen the PS5 pushed to its limits or pushed to its uh, capabilities even, let alone limits. Uh, do you think this is a, a worthwhile goal to push that line out even farther with a with a hardware uh, iteration? Yeah, I think t- a- another perhaps angle or, or part of the prism to what Steven said is how is Sony looking at this in terms of a cost, profit, market share um, play? And I think as Steven mentioned, you know, mid-generation console status can change rather abruptly. And I think if Sony has found a way to manufacture the PS5 cheaper, which it seems like they have, still rumored, but the detachable disk drive replacing the current version, and it's a, you know cheaper to produce SKU. And if they found a way to make the console internally cheaper, and now they can push out a better performing, you know, bullet box, bullet on the back of the box kind of thing of like, look what this can do. Only our console can do this kind of thing. I think that's a nice marketing push for that PS5 Pro that I imagine would just kind of be targeted to the uh, technologist, you know, the folks that got to have the best, right? I don't want to say the hardcore gamer because I don't even think it's that. I think it's a subset of that, like the newest, latest, best, right? Like need yeah. to have it, folks. Um, but it also is a heck of a, this is the Corvette Z06 in the showroom, and then come in and you can you can buy uh, this Cavalier while you're here. And the PS5 certainly has no Cavalier, but I think having that showpiece console that all the trailers are rendered on, you know, shown on PS5 Pro, um, I think it could be very desirable for Sony and also to tout the we have the best console, blah, 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 blah. Like right now, Microsoft has the Series X and all the trailers that Microsoft releases shows Series X footage. But they also sell the Series S that in a lot of territories is their best seller. Well, it's um, a lot cheaper too. It I is. Think, well, well, that's the other sure. side of this. Does yeah, the I don't five, think that's what that would be. Would, I, I mean, if, if it goes PS4 to PS4 Pro kind five, of template. Five, 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 I know, oh, yeah, but if, it, if yes, they're using the template of 4 to 4 Pro, right, it's not going cheaper. Right? It's not making it cheaper for the end user. It's actually, this is the new high end, right? Uh, which I think the pro name would be indicating. It's not, hey, this is a uh, a way to cut the price. Um, I think I, what you they know, haven't shown is a reason why. Because like you said, they haven't shown the PS5 flexing all of its right. muscles yet. So, uh, yeah. 
I, I can imagine definitely a situation. We already have uh, a lot of these games, these current gen games ha- with the ray tracing specifically having settings where it's like, do you want frame rate or do you want performance? And then maybe there'll be a third setting of like, you have a PS5 Pro, <laughs> you know, you can do both. You don't have Let to compromise. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Steven, are you, do you think a pro version needs to also have a different form factor? I know when the PS5 came out, everybody was like, it's so big. <laughs> do you think that, that a, a, a pro would need to sort of be a little more streamlined as well? They definitely came in at one of the heavyweight consoles that seems to be a complaint I hear about in the, the, the console quote unquote wars. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of not being a, a fan of one side or the other, but rather pay attention to the content. So I, yeah. I think that my, my thought towards PlayStation would be if you can do it cheaper, bring the price point down, make it a better skew in generals for the public, that's a good thing because then greater access for more people that may not be able to swing the extra couple hundred bucks for something that you want them to adopt. But I think at the end of the day, you still got a giant problem on your hands with Game Pass. So I think yeah. they got to come up with something that's maybe, uh, if this is going to be their silver bullet, it better come out of the gun and be like, you know, half the price. Yeah. Wow. That'd be impressive. I, I, I think it's pretty clear that we won't hear any official statement from Sony on this for a while. You know, there's no reason for them to undercut sales of ps5 by saying hey there's another one coming um if it really is a 2024 end of 2024 uh product i don't think we'll hear about it until 2024 so um i'm curious if the the chip shortage is truly over because that's mm -hmm. what i i cannot get a beat on from both what i do for a day job and also from just the consumer perspective it's like some companies are talking about oh the chip shortage is over so now here's all of our products other ones are still saying hey we still can't get the silicon valley stuff that we want so product demand is still a problem so i i would be interested to hear from them as well some kind of reassurance like don't worry christmas 2024 it's there's not going to be six of these things you have to fight over. <laughs> yeah no that's a great point that's a great point and it's just, there's so many question marks about it. So um, the, the whole world is still, like you said, it's not, we're not back to pre-pandemic uh, globally uh, with yeah. supply chain. So it'll be interesting to see if there is a PlayStation 5 Pro. And then also, does that mean that we'll see an, an update to, to the Xbox Series X? Very interesting. Mm, Very that's interesting. what makes yeah. it pro, though, is just do you have it? You know, it's like it's the yeah. same actual <laughs> thing as the five. It just has a new box on it. And they really yeah. do, like Steven said, they release seven of them or six of them. And it's like, hey. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Collector's yeah. editions. There you, you got one, buddy. <laughs> they're also so different, like uh, just from a social media perspective. Like, you know, uh, Stein, who runs a lot of the, the social media over at Xbox, like, if if this has been an Xbox thing and it had been leaked, you'd have seen the monkey looking at the camera sideways when it came out because Xbox immediately jumps on something like this, uh, whereas PlayStation, they'll stay silent. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a different kind of marketing, a different kind. Of, so we may not hear anything about this for a long time. What What is your perspective on the, uh, the PlayStation accessibility controller? You mentioned it at the top. Um... Yeah. Are you are you happy with the product that they put out? I know that the Xbox One has been lauded as being very very successful. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I got to consult on both of those and got to be uh, on the teams that were giving feedback for both con- both versions on the, the different consoles now, uh, both in secrecy. It took PlayStation a long time to come out of the gate. Um, and I think, you know, they're both controllers that are for specific situations. So, you know, the, the Xbox adaptive controller, I went on a huge press tour for that where me and my buddy Craig from Able Gamers probably spoke to like 150 five outlets uh wow. and, and you know, everything from msn to pop sugar to dlc where we got to talk you know about all you know, these great things that were coming out and uh playstation didn't quite do the media blitz that uh xbox did and instead are letting the product speak for itself and it's for a different market it's specifically for people who need an adaptable controller that they can put next to themselves where the buttons are very easy to hit but also you need to have the strength to be able to levitate your hand above the buttons but it's also very modular so it's going to serve a certain population just like the xac does from uh xbox and i know that's not what people want to hear they want to hear is it accessible yes or no but unfortunately the answer is just like any medical product you've ever had is it has a purpose and it serves a certain population and so you just hope that you know uh, all the products come out that can service the entire population in combination, and this just goes to service another segment of that same pop. Mm. Interesting. I love hearing your perspective on that. I um, know that was a long-winded yes or no. No, it's no, it, yeah. it's, but it's it's useful information. I, th- I I find it fascinating. It, the thing that was so you know, as somebody that doesn't have a lot of uh, knowledge about that, uh, you know, the needs of of that population, um, mm-hmm. I was just struck by how different those two controllers were from each other yeah. you know and yeah. it's it's surprising to me that the two very different approaches um and i i find it very interesting so yeah xbox wanted to be more of a hub where you plug in other things and other switches yeah. and you know and playstation wanted to make an actual controller that you use their controller so right. uh, it, it actually kind of sings to what they do because you know think about the dualshock and whatnot right so yeah. they, they very much like to have their here's a special thing we think you're going to love it. And then people are either like, yes, I do take my money or else they're like, go away. I hate it. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what they do as a company. So I, I think it'll pay off for the people that will help. Great. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Well, I'm going to pull a Jeff Kanata here and do a little one. That's definitely my story of the week. And then I'm going to sandwich. I'm going to Oreo. Uh, as Wednesday listeners might know, I'm going to so Oreo two others together. But my first story of the week is as she tweeted it, Lana Bashinsky has been promoted to associate art director Yay. on her new project at Riot Games, Yay. Um, which is awesome. She's the best, and she's the congrats, best. Congrats to her for that. So that's I'm like sure the, she would the, be mortified that you made the story of the week, but no way. <laughs> we, we love her and we want to celebrate her. Yes, yes, that's yes. that's not why would she be? I don't know. I just feel. It's public. It's public. Okay, no, it's, it's great. Week. You're right. It's wonderful. I am proud of people that I know that are more successful than me, which is like why having Steven on the show, <laughs> we bring the hype and Steven brings the credibility, Jeff. No, so the Lana, good news is I feel the same way. I love people that are more successful to us. And, and that's what's so wonderful is that almost everyone is. And that's <laughs> – it's just a world that we just get to feel great all the now time. I you too. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the fact that you're both amazing people. So. Oh, thank oh, you, see, Steven. stop. See, okay. he's too My nice. story of the week is Steven said we are both amazing so I'm going to do I'm going to make it a little Oreo here as a DLC's I think resident handheld gamer uh mm, I would mm. say. Okay, fair. I'm going to package two here. The first as we're coming out of the PlayStation 5 Pro rumor is this rumor 
of Sony's next PlayStation handheld, which I'll get into the details uh, on in a little bit. And then also alongside that is this um, idea that the Asus, Asus, I always say it wrong. Um, you know, they, they, they uh, hired, uh, they, they paid a sponsorship for a show I was on many years ago. And when we did that sponsorship, Asus? they, they That's told us that it was, it was pronounced Asus. Asus. Which was complete okay. shock to me as somebody who'd said <laughs> Asus my whole life. Yeah, Asus. Uh, but they, 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 yeah, they hired us to say some stuff and they told us we had to say Asus. So I don't well, know. Well, that is, that's money well spent because it's paying. Actually, it's, it's, it's actually founded by uh, the Cat in the Hat author. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Dr. just not Dr. Not, Asus. Not, not Dr. Seuss, just one, <laughs> of, his, <laughs> one of his friends. Just uh, one Asus, of his family any old yeah. Seuss, Asus. not Dr. Yeah. Seuss. L- lesser known, less credited Asus from the Cat in a Hat. <laughs> Some, someday hopes to be the Seuss, but you know, probably never will. <laughs> Mom, Dad, how many computers do I need to invent before you love me? Are you a doctor, son? Not yet. Then now you know. <laughs> now I might remember it, though, Stephen. That's, there uh, you that's go. Good, there you uh, go. Um, so they, uh, announced not as an April fool's joke, but also as April fool's, but then like, no, it's real. Um, they're releasing the ROG ally, um, which is their handheld device, which is a windows play in better than steam deck spec in haven't released the price point yet. Um, steam deck competitor, which I find fascinating as someone who loves, who loves their Steam Deck. And so now going back- It runs back, Windows, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> going back to Sony's to give those details, and I've set the stage of these two, one rumored, one actual, new handhelds entering this handheld renaissance we're living in with the Steam Deck and the Switch still selling gangbusters and the Play Date and the Analog Pocket and all of these things. The rumors on Sony's next- PlayStation handheld is that it is for it is a remote play device um, for all intents and purposes tethered to your PlayStation 5 and meant to be a not second screen in terms of what everybody thought you were doing before like on an iPad right control the drone as your friend plays but you know you have to have a PS5 in-house or on a fast network and then you're tapping into that to stream those games to you and what I'm curious about here gentlemen is for the Sony device, is there a market for that when you can kind of remote play on just about anything? And two, couldn't you do that on the ROG Ally? Stephen, is there is there uh, are, are handheld devices? Um, is there any accessibility movement in in kind of uh, usability on the handheld device? I mean, does Valve ha- have any uh, resources for folks that need? you know, um, accessibility options for the Steam Deck, for example? It's still very Wild West when it comes to handheld devices because, the you know, things like the Switch used to be one of the things that uh, I got into fights on the internet all the time because you'd have a disabled person go on to a show and talk about how Switch is amazingly accessible and then I'd get a dozen and a half emails from people saying, hey, I heard this is really accessible and I have to be like, well... Uh, currently, there are not a lot of adapters that can work for it, and currently, it's not really that accessible for someone who has your disability, and then I'd have a lot of explaining to do, so it kind of became a nightmare for me that made me snappy at some point. And 
Um, you know, and, and the problem is it's so dependent on disability. So to that person, the switch was amazing. It was a godsend because they could use it, right? And yeah. if you can't use it, then it's a nightmare. So it just it, it's just like controllers to each their own. And the only thing that's strange to me is that Except with the exception of the play date, like the Steam Deck, now the the Ally, quote unquote, and maybe even the the next uh, Sony Vita, Vita Three or whatever they're gonna call it. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it they all kind of look the same. They all really kind of act the same as far as holding them. They're very Switch esque, and mm-hmm. so you know, if if they're just copying the same format, there's not gonna be a real big advantage for anyone. Um, the only thing I could say from the accessibility standpoint is there are, you know, what, uh, a billion mice in the world, and there is exactly one model that works for my particular disability that, that I stick with. So, wow. um, you know, that to, to me, that's that's kind of what we're talking here is, is if it works for your disability, that'd be great. And you're just going to have to borrow them from a friend or rent one from a store to see if it works for you. Yeah. I, I do like the hubs too, like yeah. how, and, and just in terms of the steam, this is a, this is me being, I guess, pro steam deck and hopefully the ally. And there's been some early hands on with it as well, where, you know, let this device be more than what it is in terms of like, put mm. it on the big screen. If you want to dock it to something, if you want to use a controller, if you want to. And that's where I feel like, again, totally rumored this PlayStation handheld perhaps seems limited to me. But again, Stephen, as you said, for the DualSense or any of their controllers, it's like, we made this thing. It's 80 bucks. It does some cool stuff. Hopefully you like it. If not, we kind of don't care because this is what we're making. They kind of don't. They're just like, if you don't like it, well, (laughs) buy something else. This is what we made. So, yeah. I mean, how how do we even argue with a philosophy like that? You don't. It's like, oh, all right. Well, okay. Moving on. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I do think you make a great point, Stephen, about they're all sort of the same form factor or just, you know, very slight variations on the same form factor. And it would be interesting to see somebody. I mean, I guess it's kind of like phones at this point. Phones are sort of just the same. You know, every every company's got you have to get real down to the fine details to get any differentiation between a, a phone at this point. And it it would Says be more the guy with a big camera bump. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the. You know, I, I think the specs on this uh, ROG Ally, this uh, ASUS ROG Ally, are, are interesting. Runs uh, Windows 11, uh, has the AMD Zen 4 uh, RDNA 3 chip, uh, 120 like a hertz version of that for yeah this build. Yeah, runs at 1920 by 1080. Uh, supposedly the cooling fans are quiet and it's light, only um, 608 grams. Um, so basically, like a direct Steam Deck competitor. Interesting that you you know run Windows on it. I think part of the magic of the Steam Deck is the Steam front end, and so you know I, I think it's healthy to have this market sort of and, and inevitable to have this market and have some new entrants into it, uh, and we'll see how they how well they do. I think Steam's brand name and just sort of the ease of having your Steam library already there. But then you know yeah. if it's running Windows 11, you just run Steam from. So I guess it would work similarly in that way. Valve's like, oh no, a competitor where people will still buy games from our store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very true. Yeah. The, the the PlayStation one is a little more baffling to me because I understand that they're all in on this remote play thing. I've used remote play a handful of times, not often. It works fine. It's But to me, the question of a handheld is, can I play it on an airplane? And if mm-hmm. the answer is no, then I don't think I need that. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think the idea is the whole joy of the Steam Deck and things like it are that when you don't have internet, you still have some games on your thing that you can mm-hmm. play. And can if you the- play it on a train, can you play it on a plane? <laughs> yeah, can you play it with a Dr. Asus with- <laughs> needs to come in here and tell me. Uh, 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 anyway, so I, I just find that to be a, a strange use case. If you have to be internet connected in order to get any games on it, which again, these are all speculations. We don't know how this thing's going to work. But if that is accurate, then it just seems to me like a, a non starter for me personally. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it sings to me because the more remote play and the more access ports you give something, the more a company like mine can hack into it and use it for accessibility means uh, where, you know, the big companies usually will uh, look the other way when we do shenanigans to make uh, people be able to use them for, you know, being able to play games that they sell. So usually they're happy with us about selling their games. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I guess I kind of, I kind of, because I have a bit of a streamer brain now, because, you know, I do Able Gamers full-time, but I'm also a content creator. And I, and I think about Steam all the time, because, you know, uh, you know, we're all dinosaurs here, but, you know, for the younger people who are in their, you know, 20s, do they still have the Steam loyalty that a lot of us do? Like, I know when I get a free game on Epic, if I really like it, I'll buy it on Steam, just because I want it on <laughs> in my damn library, you know? And so... <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I, I It feels like Steam is still dominant, but maybe that is my old dinosaur brain looking at something and, and assuming. Uh, it's a good question. But I, I, I think, it, Christian, the way you presented the stories, plural, which again, breaking the rules. But It's an um, Oreo. The way, you, a, the way you presented them. It's a lunch them, sandwich. The way you presented them, I think, is, is, is accurate in that it, it kind of demonstrates the health of the handheld market, which for a while wasn't doing so hot. You know, I think pre-switch, you know, the the 3DS didn't do well. You know, it was not living up to the the old DS's standards and there's a lot of questions as to whether handheld gaming was kind of uh waning and that is certainly not the case anymore. And I think that's that's maybe the best takeaway to from these two 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 not one stories. Anyway. Sorry, the story is two new handhelds are coming. One maybe, one released as an April Fool's joke, but yes, really. There, Jeff, are you? Ha- Let me write uh, it up. I'll publish it my, to my blog. <laughs> Clickety click, 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 click. Uh, my story of the week Jeff's an idiot coming in. My, <laughs> I am tempted to take this uh, Joseph Staten leaving Xbox uh, story, which is interesting, but. You know what? It's my story of the week. So I'm going to pick the story that's most interesting to me, and that is. Not one, but two different movies <laughs> that are being made. See, that's me. That's me doing three stories as one. Hold on, right let me there. get this up on my blog real quick. Uh, <laughs> Joseph Stanton is leaving Xbox while two new video game movies are announced. <laughs> uh, so there are two new video game movies that have been announced. One, a little more information about than the other, but I think they're both pretty fascinating. And hey, I got movie video games on the brain because uh, I took my son to see Super Mario Brothers movie today, which evidently so did most of the world because that movie is crushing at the box office right now. Uh, and, uh, and, and rightfully so. It's, it's, it's tons of fun. But, um, you know, we are in, I think, a video game to movie or TV show, Assance, if I can Assance it, uh, you know, with Last of Us, uh, you know, dominating the TV airwaves, Super Mario Brothers dominating the movie theaters. I think we can safely say 
it's happening. Uh, and so there is a gold rush. There is a, a new desire to get all of these properties converted into movies and TV shows. And so some new information this week about a new Street Fighter movie. What? Okay. Don't know much about it, but we know that it is being uh, developed by Legendary Entertainment, which did Detective Pikachu, Godzilla versus Kong, Pacific Rim, some uh, some heavy hitters in the genre filmmaking department. We know that it opens with Ryu's dog being killed and Ryu getting back <laughs> into the business. Played so. by Keanu Reeves. <laughs> hey, I'm in. You guys, I'm in. <laughs> uh, and then yeah. the other one is a little bit more uh, solid in that it has a release date. 2025, we'll see the Minecraft movie starring everybody's uh, obvious choice for a Minecraft character, Jason Momoa. And it actually uh, opens with his dog dying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's directed by Jared Hess. Uh, this is uh, Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite, Dynamite and, himself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, the brothers that did that. And uh, Jason Momoa. So I'm I'm so curious how they're going to make a Minecraft movie. Uh, you know, evidently it's live action, which I think. It's just Jason Momoa playing Minecraft. Like just, <laughs> <laughs> just streaming. That, hey, you know, that could probably sell. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know how you do a Minecraft movie live action. Uh, this one seems a little riskier to me. But, Stephen, I'm curious. Uh, what do you think of Street Fighter? Do you think that there's a good Street Fighter movie to be made? Because we've seen a couple of Street Fighter movies already, and I don't know if I would qualify them as good. You know, I mean, I was just literally talking tonight with my Twitch chat about uh, The Rock and Disney's uh, obsession right now with making their content into live action stuff. And, you know, I mean, The Rock, you know, uh, with Black Adam being a huge flop and getting sued and all kinds of shenanigans going on with that, and yet still coming out of the gate making new Disney stuff. Uh, You know, he's the only actor in the world that could lose $100 million, and people are still like, I still want to work with that guy. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, I mean, I think it's great. Uh, but you know, my, my challenge to chat when a lot of people were saying like, Oh, I don't, I don't want a live action. I don't want this. I'm like, yeah, but it has the rock. So you're going to go watch it. And like most <laughs> of chat was like, yeah, okay. I will go watch whatever the rock is. And I think I, I kind of feel like it's, um, I feel like just before our time and probably most everyone listening was like the era of vehicle movies, right? You had like Elvis Presley who was in a bunch of movies that were complete and utter trash, but they were starring Elvis Presley. They were vehicles. They called them vehicle movies because the movie, the script didn't matter. No one cared about that. It was, let's watch Elvis. And so I kind of wonder if video game-esque era, as just said, is going to kind of be a magical mashup of that. At least in my brain, I think it could be if they play their cards right. You could please the, the geeky nerd crowd that we are with seeing our favorite video games on the big screen with, you know, steamy scenes from The Witcher or action pack from, you know, Uncharted. You could see those kind of things live action, which could be fun, while also a vehicle for your favorite stars to flex themselves and get people to sell, you know, tickets just to see that particular star. So it, it could be good, but then again, there's the other side of the, you know, I think it just takes a couple of flops, and then every single production is going to be like, you know what, maybe this video game thing wasn't for us. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's either, you know, it's either comic books where, you know, things work and then it's all that all the time and all we're going to get is video game movies or it's comic books from the 90s and a few of them flop and no one tries it for a while. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I think you, you make great points. And, and uh, yeah, certainly, you know, certainly putting, uh, you know, uh, Chris, uh, what's his name? Who plays Mario? Why can't I think of his last Pratt. name? Chris, Chris Pratt. 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 I want to yeah. say Pine. Yeah, he's in the he's in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. All the Chris's, uh, but putting Chris Pratt in the Mario movie is an example of that. And I it's, think it's a me, it's a Ryu. <laughs> it's a Ryu. <laughs> I'm putting it's a my Dragon own, Punch. I'm putting my own take on Ryu's voice. It's it's fine. I am a white guy playing a Japanese fighter, but I'm putting my own take on his voice. Yes, I'm, a white, I'm a white guy playing a Japanese person who's voiced by an Italian person being played by someone from Brooklyn who's actually from san diego yes yeah i have a hard time imagining how a live action minecraft movie is is not going to be terrible uh jason momoa <laughs> you know i like the guy he's very charismatic and very fun but certainly does fall in line with what you're describing steven <laughs> so yeah. we I shall mean, see minecraft shall see. or not minecraft um mortal kombat i mean that to me again and this yeah. is the problem is I, I feel like sometimes it's a uh, you know damn uh, you're getting old right kind of thing yeah. um and so I, I love the original mortal kombat movie it was still in my opinion the best with johnny cage and whatnot sure. you know like uh yeah. but uh i i know a lot of people who like the new one that just came out on netflix so you know i don't know maybe they can do it better I do wonder if live action just means Jason Momoa gets sucked into the Minecraft. You know, like what? Mm, what Jumanji. is? Yeah, like what is li- like the live action Lion King? Yeah. It's like that's just the more realistic animated Lion King, yeah. <laughs> or like the live action yeah. Little Mermaid. Mm. Half of her is live action; the other half of all the people is animated. So I, I think there's room there, and I think Mario has shown, and Sonic was live action. And Jeff, you and I are famous on this podcast for predicting what the Tetris movie would be. Um, yes, we got that. We nailed it. Nailed, nailed it. it. Nailed it. So, um, no, we did not. You know, I, I never, never, never doubt the video game adaptation, right? Like, they'll, yeah, maybe they'll it'll make be, it work. Uh, maybe it'll be brilliant. Jason Momoa as, as, uh, <laughs> as what's his name from Founding Mojang? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, I don't know, like, what, what, but I mean, when are we going to get another? Um, what was the one starring the kid from the Wonder Years? When, when like, oh yeah, um, uh, the, the wizard, wizard, right? The, the wizard, wizard, right? Yeah. Like, when are we going to get another like legendary picture where it is someone who is a video gamer who is a champion and comes in yeah. and and does something great? We have not even heard wind of anything like that. It's always you know a reproduction, The Last of Us in the world, you know, which is great, yeah. but there's still there's still this kind of weird uh trope that video game players are still the outsiders and i i think that exemplifies the best from my mind is someone said they liked the mario movie but it was as if someone uh was playing the game for me and i don't know why anyone would pay to watch somebody else play a game and i was like oh, actually i know a lot of people who pay money to watch somebody <laughs> play a game. But, yeah, so. yeah. No, yeah, then maybe that's what it is. Maybe Jason Momoa it gets into a Minecraft construction competition. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I, I think that's. I think you're you're right. It's interesting that it's still not about players. Yeah, I mean, we had players, but now you can't even watch players. Uh, that's a very good show, though. I enjoyed that. Show. Not it's 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 nowhere now, though. It's it's been taken taken off. Did it take um, it off? Yeah, yeah, it's not even available oh, to stream. They're trying to licensing, licensing, blah blah blah. But it oh, was good. It was good. All right, well, there's your news. Uh, Let's jump in and talk about the games that we have been playing now in a segment we call The Playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week? It's time 
Steven, what has mm-hmm. been on your playlist this week? I am completely the opposite uh, of of uh, playing the the new versus the hot. And when I look at your lists for what you're going to talk about, uh, I am straddling the fence where I've got my favorite thing right now, which is uh, a roguelite called Crime Boss, and it is uh, super not wholesome, non friendly, non what this audience probably listens to your game, uh, where you're a crime lord trying to take over a fake city. Uh, which is, has been something that was like, it's got some weird parts to it I don't approve of. Some of the language is a little anti what I like to hear in my video games in my real life. Uh, but I like the roguelite element of an RPG. I haven't seen that before, and I'm hoping that maybe it does well enough that other games will do that with a little, little less violence and a little more fun. Uh, but it, it's been really cool, and uh, I've been enjoying just uh, goofing around in that world with old school songs and whatnot from. Yeah, you know, all these CG characters from people that you knew back in yesteryear. So that was kind of interesting. It's, it's yeah, like this, a, this, a payday, like right? Yeah, that- yeah. It's GTA payday. It's got that same level of violence, that same level of swearing, and, and words that aren't really appropriate in our world anymore because it's set in the '90s before they, you know, understood that you shouldn't be a dirtbag. You know, um, and and you know there are going to be people who will not play it because of that because you know the, the, they should have done better and you can see it because sometimes the words they say don't match the subtitles they definitely <laughs> realized it after the voice casting like oh we shouldn't have said that word so you know you can see where they kind of learned some lessons so I'll, I'll be interested to see if maybe they they take these old school like you know the, the the Danny Glover character being named Glover it's just funny to me like I I, I just like that kind of stuff this is the one that has like Kim Basinger and Michael Madsen yep. and, like it's like Danny Trejo and like all the yeah 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 it's uh it's definitely roguelite heavy it's definitely uh nostalgia for those who grew up in the you know the lethal weapon era that kind of thing uh, right but you know it's 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 for the crowd that likes gta and likes heist games and that kind of thing it's not necessarily your most wholesome content but it is just something to to goof off with vanilla ice and chuck norris are also in it um yep so, so you're you're digging it because it's just you're playing with friends and and uh, you you got you got that roguelite. Uh, yeah, whenever hook. you play through it, you can play with friends, but you also get the roguelite because as you die, you still get experience, which carries over to other games, which makes your character stronger. And there there's there's not a lot of games like that. Out like you could argue that WoW and things like that do that as you get better gear and whatnot, but this is purely based on perks and based on experience of character, which is just something I, I'm a big fan of in like dead cells kind of games you know where you you have a run and you have an experience level and you keep getting better and the game gets easier so those kind of things are just interesting and i kind of like that they tried something a little different yeah i i'm a huge fan of that roguelike experience and uh doing it in a first person shooter i i think is interesting as well and um this game looks really interesting crime boss rock city is the full title Uh, i'm seeing it here on on the epic game store um what else is on your playlist yeah i went i went from the extreme of ultra violent to ultra not with marvel snap i swear i've i've spent in the last like five months it's been out i've probably spent 400 hours it's such a great game it's just a card game that you pull up on your phone and it literally takes three minutes to do a hearthstone style battle with comic book characters i'm a huge uh, comic book nerd iron man is you know one of my heroes and and you know so getting to play with the marvel ip uh, has been fantastic from a nerd point of view but from a i love hearthstone kind of view the uh, the the guy who did it ben Broads, is actually the guy who invented hearthstone so mm-hmm. it's another hit from him and uh 
just basically having three minute battles of what these superheroes can do versus another team of superheroes from your enemy. And it was like super wholesome cars, uh, card combat, no violence, no anything that, you know, a, a 10 year old couldn't play. It is uh, a little bit microtransaction y. You can play it for free, but if you want to play seriously, you know, you do have to pump in the money to get the cards. Uh, and so I think it's that weird. Sort of, if you want to just play around between meetings, I think it's fun. If you want to get serious about it, just like Hearthstone, it's going to eat your wallet. Are you in that latter category? I am ridiculously in that latter category. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm like, you know, new card, here's my 20 bucks. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm probably like 150 bucks in the Marvel Snap at this point. It's, it, but it's, it, you know, for 400 hours of entertainment, yeah. uh, you know, that's not bad. Not bad. Yeah, I uh, you know I I fell off of it because the um, the the penalty the the ranking penalty for a new season start I felt was a little mm. too harsh, but I've been getting emails from people who are like they fixed it they changed it they fixed mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and so yeah. I have been reluctant to uh, hook it back up to my veins. Yeah, it takes uh, you get every rank is essentially 100 of what they call cubes and uh right now if you level up to say 70 it puts you at 75 to start now you can fall backwards from that but it starts you in the middle which really helps with if you're trying to grind and get to the top level uh you don't have to play as many games to get to the same place that you would have gotten anyway so that helps with it a lot especially if someone like me like i really like and we all know because we have these kind of day jobs where you know you, you got a call that went 50 minutes and it's like, well, 10 minutes is not enough time to do something else. And oh, it's yeah. not enough time to start a new call. What do I do for six and a half minutes? Oh, let's go open this game real quick and one card game. Let's go. You're so right. It, it, there's always time for Marvel Snap, even when there isn't. There's always time. That's right. For Marvel Snap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. I got to get back into it. It's. I keep uh, waiting for uh, DC to announce that Ben is going to head up their games initiative. You know, at yeah, this right. point. Where mm. it's like- <laughs> yeah, right. Um, wonderful. All right, cool. Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist this week? So I'm super excited that I get to talk about it this week because there's, you know, heaven forbid, a little bit of a lull in hot new releases. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're coming. We just can't talk about them right now. My um, backlog this... disagrees with you so heavily, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Same. I mean, that's, what, <laughs> that's what this is also. But uh, the Forza Horizon 5 DLC's uh, fave of the year. The year it came out, we, we were big fans of Forza Horizon 5. The second DLC pack, the Rally Adventure, came out, um, I think it was the end of last month. Yeah. And also what has come out for Forza Horizon 5 on PC is DLSS 3.0 support, which it had added some stuff before that made it look prettier on PC, but not full DLSS 3.0 support. But it has that now. Rally adventure. Uh, so I will start by saying, yes, still fave of the year game. Like, yes, nothing, <laughs> nothing has changed. The game is still incredible. Um, also, DLSS 3.0 implementation and Forza Horizon 5 is so dang good, fellas. It's, it's real pretty. It's real pretty. It's, real pretty and real fast mm-hmm. the frame rate again i'm playing on a, a 4080 which is you know you need a 40 series card to take advantage of dlss um three, but it's three three but thank you three but it's implementation in forza horizon 5 
is phenomenal. It's a game that already looked great. Like I'll, I'll still play it sometimes on my Xbox series S like with the kids on the couch and stuff like that. And it's, it still looks good. I'm playing in 60 frames per second and we're sitting far from the TV and it looks good, but sitting here at my gaming PC playing this game with, you know, at 144 frames per second, everything on like extreme or whatever it is. It just absolutely looks phenomenal. And I love when great games continue to get, what I consider great tech added to it throughout its lifespan. Like they didn't rest on their laurels. It was already a great game already had a lot of graphical options already looked great. And then they added this into it, which is awesome. So that's just the DLSS 3.0 part of it. Rally adventure is the second big DLC expansion for the game. The first one being hot wheels, which was almost my favorite game of the year. It came out. <laughs> it's such a good expansion. I loved Hot Wheels in, was that three? Did the first Hot Wheels expansion, Forza Horizon? I forget. Mm-hmm. And then it's fantastic again in five. And now this Rally Adventure expansion is kind of bringing the game back to its kind of, dare I say, roots, because you know Forza Horizon was born out of another game's roots. But it, it brings it back, it grounds it in a way, where it is still very much Forza Horizon and... You know, you're cutting through cactus fields and going off the all the all the stuff that you can do in, in, in Forza, but you're no longer on Hot Wheels tracks up in the sky riding around past dinosaurs. It is their take on rally. And rally is, you know, multi-surfaced driving, typically two folks in a car, one person with a map charting out what you're doing for you. Colin McCree, um, Sega Rally, those older games, WRX and stuff like that. Dirt Rally. And what I find fascinating about Forza Horizon tackling this is that what makes Rally, in my opinion, part of what makes Rally uh, fun or interesting as a sport is you have a co-pilot telling you what to do. And that's what Rally video games used to be also, whereas a lot of racing games up to that point didn't have that. So you know ahead of time without looking at the mini map in your corner, like, oh, hard left coming up, jump, hairpin right, easy left. You, you know all that stuff because your co-pilot is telling you that but now with games having the line you know the drive line indicator you kind of have all of that rally information given to you in every driving game and forza has already given you multi-surfaced driving where you'll go from like a road to the dirt to through the water or whatever and so what i find really interesting about their take on rally is when you go into it it says hey this is a rally experience. Part of what makes rally fun and unique is a co-pilot calling out upcoming things for you. So we would encourage you to turn off the drive line and rely on that. You don't have to keep your drive line on, but we encourage you to give this a try. And so I turned the drive line off. The drive line's still on for everything else, like getting navigation points. If you leave the rally area, it comes back every other race. But when you're doing rally races, If you turn it off, it just does the classic Sega rally style thing of like easy left, easy right. And what I think is smart for how they implemented it is, and it's very Forza Horizon thing, your spotter, your co-pilot is actually in a helicopter flying above you. So of course there's awesome moments where like it's panning over and you hit a jump and you do all this cool stuff. But because some cars don't have two seats in Forza Horizon, so it's like, how do you bring that car into a rally situation? Well, your co-pilot's in a helicopter. That's how we do it in Forza. And it's really fun and really cool. And you can do races two ways. One is a traditional rally, which is a time trial, because you could imagine rally driving. Like if Steve and Jeff and I are on the same course at the same time, that can get pretty dangerous. And there are some 
Baja and rally type races where you have multiple folks going at a time. But oftentimes it is a one car hits it, you, you attack the course and you see what it is. So in the rally adventure, you can do that, a rally race, or you can do the standard Forza Horizon race where it is multiple cars on the track. If you want to see that, you know, the drive avatars and stuff like that driving through. It's a hoot. I think if I had to say like Hot Wheels is maybe like a smidge higher because of just like the whimsical nature of Hot Wheels tracks. But I I was surprised to like this Rally Adventure DLC as much as I do because I figured it just would be like, oh, it's more Forza, which is good. But like, how do they make it unique? And I think they did a really cool thing with how they make it unique. And you can select like what type of rally you want. You pick a team and it kind of influences which courses you start with and stuff like that. If you have fallen out of Forza Horizon 5, my friends, this is an excellent place to jump back in. And the cars are awesome. It's such a good game. I love it. I absolutely. Oh, and I should say, at least for me, and I imagine this is the case for everybody. The as you the intro cinematic as you go into the rally adventure DLC, it's playing uh, the Linda Lindas, a awesome pop punk band who I've parting gift on this show a bunch, and a couple live close to me here uh, in the Pasadena area. They're an awesome band, and it was awesome to hear like their song like kick into high gear as I'm jumping over a marsh or whatever. It's ah, <laughs> jumping so a marsh. Good. Uh, I think it was so one good. of their songs, Jumping a Marsh. Um, <laughs> it, probably not a marsh in a rally. Jumping a dry wash. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, also experienced the DLSS 3.0. I was like, I got to play more Forza Horizon now that it has three. It, it's silky smooth and beautiful. Just a, just a sumptuous game. Also, Christian and I both uh, invested recently in uh, uh, steering wheels, uh, controllers. And Christian, are you playing it with the wheel? Um, some, yes, some, no, I, of course I did. Cause uh, you know, I have it. I actually prefer Forza Horizon without the wheel. It is, this is hmm. the game that pulled me out of my PSVR two headset VR wheel setup and brought me back to a controller floating third person cam as I, you know, hoon around the track. What about I, you? I, yes. I mean, the entire time I played Forza Horizon five and, you know, as you said, we made it our game of the year that year. Uh, our our show's cumulative one. Um, I only ever played it in that third person camera view where you get to see your sick car being cool and shiny and beautiful, and, uh, and you know, and, and playing it with a controller. I love the the interior cam view, the 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 cockpit view. I love that, but actually, with the steering wheel peripheral, I have been playing for the first time in my life been playing the like dashboard cam or not whatever they call it like the hood where you're like mounted on the screaming, hood screaming infidelities is what you've been playing the dashboard confessional dashboard confessionals version i have a confession yeah. to make and i've been playing with the dashboard cam <laughs> um the uh the reason for that is i thought with the steering wheel i'd want to be in cockpit mode like i am in uh grand uh, uh grand Turismo seven but that's because I'm in virtual reality. And so I'm seeing the stuff that I'm feeling with my hands when I'm not in virtual reality, when I'm just staring at my screen and I see my wheel, I don't want to see another wheel. It's redundant <laughs> to have the wheel in front of me. So when I go to that dashboard confessional cam, uh, it's like I'm in a car because I have the steering wheel that I see in front of me and then directly to the dash to the to the hood of the car. And it's pretty neat. Pretty darn neat. That's uh, the first time I've ever in my life. I never understood why they even had that 
that view and the guy, I know people like playing it, but I'm not a racing guy. I was like, I don't understand this. I don't want to be on a bumper of a car. It doesn't make any sense. Now I get it. Now I get it. It's anyway, real good. Yeah. It's, it's real good. I didn't, I've not tried that rally thing. I still haven't even splurged for the Hot Wheels thing when I want to. I would to. pick Hot Wheels first. I think your son would love it. I mean, some of those, it, it's loops and it's just, you know, it's, it's full of whimsy. And rally yeah. is is a very different approach. But also if you, if you, you or people in your house like, you know, monster trucks, while rally is not monster truck, it, it gets close with like the dune buggy beetles with the lifted suspension. And you're like, yeah. it's like multiple jumps at multiple bumps ahead. One might be a jump into water and you're like do, 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 whomp, and then you just That's catch cool. air and land in water oh it's awesome so awesome. You, why do you not want to play it with the wheel it feels like that's how you got the wheel now you play the racing games with the wheel now i play more sim oriented racing games with the wheel forza mm-hmm. i'm pulled back i want to see as much as i can i want right. to you know fishtail out watch my drift and if i think if i were in vr i probably would because you have that sense of, of space like i've done drifting in uh gran turismo 7 in vr and i'm obviously playing in that in mode but flat screen i have a hard time playing um dashboard confessional all right fair enough I really wish they would support VR and Forza Horizon. Oh my gosh, that would be that would be the cool. And having played it with Gran Turismo now, it's like, come on, please, Forza people, let's do this. Yeah, you gave uh, everybody ten years of Call of Duty, Microsoft. Can you give yeah, uh, people a little bit of VR, please? Just a, just a little bit. Uh, all right, I want to tell you about what's on my playlist this week. I checked out. Uh, another indie game this week that uh, really surprised me and is cool. In fact, a uh, friend of the show, Dan Trachtenberg, was the one who texted me about this and let me know about it. I, I, I was not on my radar at all. Uh, and I, I think a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned um, um, Above Snakes Prologue uh, as being a, a game I really dug. And it was cool that they had a prologue. A prologue being game's not out yet. Game's not even in early access yet. But we have this chunk that kind of shows you what the game is. It's not really a demo. It's more than that. It's like the beginning for version of the game. It sets everything up. I think it's a really cool idea. Well, this week... It's the part of the game written by another author. <laughs> the prologue. <laughs> yeah. It has characters that aren't in the main story. They all die off. Um, the um, th- There's another... This other indie game that I'm about to talk about also has a prologue. The game is not going to be out until, I think, Q3 which I guess is right around the corner at this point. But um, it's called Shogun Showdown. And I played the Shogun Showdown prologue. Uh, and it has me quite excited for the main game. This is a deceptively simple concept that hints at real complexity and real fascinating. It's a take I've never seen before. So... The way I would describe Shogun Showdown briefly is like, what if a 2D fighting game, but turn-based? And I know that's kind of happened before. There's like card games like Yomi that'll try to be Street Fighter, but, you know, turn-based. This is not that. This is, you're on a 2D plane. You are a a shogun you are a, a a an awesome fighter and you are in these environments that are all uh all two dimensional you are invariably dropped in the center and you have squares that you can move to 
Not very many of them. Again, two-dimensional. So you think like Super Mario, like that's that kind of two-dimensional. So the squares are what you are standing on. So it's not like a board game square. You're not looking down on anything. You're not seeing, you know, a, a, a board game. You're seeing the profile of things. And then there are sections of the ground that are broken up into squares, okay? So there's maybe, I don't, I don't even know how many there are, but there's not a lot, maybe eight squares total. And you'll have these enemies that'll be on either side of you or, or kind of warp in. Uh, they come in waves. And you can, you have a, a certain number of abilities that you have and you'll get more of them. It is a roguelike, so you're getting more in a run. And at the end of runs, you can spend currency to unlock the potential to get other uh, abilities in the course of the run, like a lot of roguelikes do. And you have these abilities like a slash in front of you, shoot a bow and arrow, grappling hook, long spear, lots of different kind of things, uh, you know, uh, uh, throwing star. Um, and you can queue up one or two of them to, to go off. And everything is turn-based. Every single thing you do from moving a square left or right or even turning your character around, you can like pirouette in place and, and go, you know, 180 degrees. Your character doesn't move any squares. They just spin in place and move, you know, face the opposite direction. Every single one of those things that you do costs a turn. And every turn that you take, the enemy takes. So everybody's turn happens all like simultaneously. So basically doing anything takes time forward one move, right? So you are in this dance of movement, of queuing up attacks and shooting off attacks that is choreographed with the enemies that are also moving and trying to do the same. So what you can do is you can queue up multiple attacks in your little queue and then you decide to shoot them off at any time. And if they're able to, they will happen you can stack attacks and that'll all happen on a single turn if they're able to. So you get into this really cool, like I said, dance where you're like, okay, if I, and you see everything that the, the enemies are doing too. You're like, you see them queuing up an attack, they're readying attack. So you go, okay, so if I move forward, they'll hit me. So I got to move back one, their attack goes off. Then I move forward, then I can attack, but there's a guy behind me. So I can like, Go back, don't, get, don't want to get in his range. So spin in place makes him move forward, attack him, spin in place, move backward. It's every single thing is this like slow motion choreography of the coolest 2D fighter attack. It's rad. And you get to these this level of complexity where you can, you know, queue up these combos because you're able to stack your your commands, basically, your your abilities going off. And you can be like, okay, well, I know that if I trigger my attack sequence to go off, I will kill the first guy in front of me. And then I can shoot an arrow into the next guy who's much farther down the line. And so you get into these really cool, almost like um almost like a uh, a Rube Goldberg machine of like this created that which started that which made him go over here which i eliminated all of them 
And then you get into these boss fights where the guy does really, you know, much more interesting attacks. And again, it's just the prologue. So it's just the beginning of this, but immediately becomes obvious how complicated and intricate it can get. And I am completely sold on this concept. I think this is brilliant. Again, very simple looking game. It's all pixel art, big, you know, big chunky characters on the screen because there's not a lot to show you. I think this would be a great Steam Deck game. I haven't played it on Steam Deck yet, but it's so, you play it. I'm I'm very curious, um, Stephen, you know, it, it feels a very accessible game too because while there's no controller support yet, the game is still not even in early access, but um, you you can play it with just a couple of buttons. It's There's really not much to it. And yet it has this level of complexity that I think is going to get even um, more and more apparent when the full game is released and they layer on more and more abilities and have all these things to unlock. And, and it just, it's, it's a really clever idea. And I've never seen anybody do anything like it. I love roguelikes for that reason, because you can then not be necessarily great at a game and continually fail forward, which yes. I think is, yeah. It's, it's, oh, I agree. Great. That's my, yeah. my whole MO, failing Absolutely. forward. <laughs> yeah, fail forward, right? Fail, fail progress. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of um, Tights and Fight Spaces. I mean, just while you were talking yes. about it, I looked it up on Keymailer to, to request the copy. Like, it's it's uh, it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I love those kind of games where you can uh, effectually make your moves and then do these uh, these battles more as a choreographed fight uh, rather than in real time action. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, first person shooter. It's all about who has the superior twitching skills. But things like what you're describing are much more of a, a mental dance, which is just just all about my jam. Yeah, yeah, and it it really. At first, I was like, "There's nothing to this," and then you start realizing, "Oh my gosh." you can really get complicated with how you set up your dominoes to fall. It's, it's, it's pretty clever. So I'm, yeah. I'm super excited to see where the game goes when it finally is re- released. Uh, again, it's called Shogun Showdown and I'm playing the prologue. How do you, how do you guys feel about prologue slash demo kind of games? I, I'm still very on the fence about them because I, I, I if I'm going to invest time in a roguelite, I kind of want to put my time into the actual game, but I think it does do some some good numbers for sales when you put out a demo ahead of time because the industry got away from demos and prologues for a long time, and that's a huge accessibility thing is if you put out a demo, I can tell you right off the bat whether or not I should waste my money on your game or whether I'm going to refund it anyway. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I feel like it's a good thing, but also I, I get why people get kind of annoyed with them. Well, I mean, I think the best best case scenario is a prologue that allows you to carry forward your progress, you know, if it like, yeah. you know, yeah. but uh, I know I recognize that that's rare. Um, I, I've, I've been enjoying getting a taste of these games and, and sort of whetting my appetite for something that's going to come out, you know, quite a bit. You know, it's not like a, a demo for a game that's already out where it's like, well, I'm going to either... You know, I'm. Uh, am I going to waste my time? Waste, you know, invest time that is not brought forward into the game. This feels more like, oh, I'm ex- now. This game is on my radar. Now I know to be excited about it, and I'll be playing other things in the meantime. And then when it comes out, I'm like, oh yeah, I loved playing that. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear you also using a you know an indie game like uh, 
with all due respect to Forza, of course, uh, you know, it, it's just such a mainstream game. Everyone's heard of Forza, right? But, yeah. you know, I, I know that the problem I'm having, and I've been sharing this with viewers because I feel like people kind of resonate with, is there's a huge problem that I have now with games. In the, I love games. I love our industry. But there was an article I read not long ago that said, you know, uh, 12 years ago, 300 games came out on Steam per year. Now it's nearly 300 a day. Uh, it, it, it's getting to the point where, you know, there are some great games out there that I have accidentally stumbled upon on Woovit or Keymailer or one of these sites that promotes games that, you know, I, I just happened to fall on because yeah. I've never heard of it. It's got no promotion. They have no money to get you any influencers talking about it, you know, and, and, you know, kind of the Among Us thing, right? Among Us was out there for a year and a half before yeah. one streamer played it and Domino Effect. Now it's the most popular game that's, you know, social pandemic game ever, right? So I, I just like when we talk about those games. Uh, no disrespect to AAAs, but, uh, you know, I even listed the AAAs in my, my, what I'm playing right now, but I also have been playing some, some, uh, you know, uh, non triple A's that I think I'd like to see us kind of remember that there's some good ones out there that you can play that don't necessarily. I, I played a cool indie game called Potion Tycoon. It's literally where you make potions in a little mystical wizard world and yeah. it's early access. So I don't really talk about it because, uh, you know, the early access, they're not done baking it yet, but, um, they're fun. There's some fun games that just don't have that triple A marketing budget that I, I hope people remembered not to look over just because it just because it's not advertised that packs doesn't mean it's not good i agree 100 percent. I, I always make it a point to try to bring up as many indie games as i can uh, on the show that i've been enjoying and i always make it a point to like search out uh interesting stuff uh, that's in the indie in the indie world i agree with you i have no idea how anyone makes money making video games at this point it's no. such a there's such a glut of content and I assume it's all money laundering. Like everybody's making <laughs> games to lose money. Like that's part of the. <laughs> and it's all—it's only going to get crazier with you know how how you know these tools. We we talked about Unreal Engine uh, 5's presentation at GDC about being you know making easier and easier and easier for people. It's it's only going to get um, more saturated because it's just going to be easier for games. You know, really great games to be made. We all win because there's lots and lots and lots of great stuff to play. Uh, there's too much at a certain point and a, a lot of stuff falls through the cracks. And so that's why, you know, I try to make it a point to, to do that. And, and even our show, you know, at the end of the year, we always do our top five games of the year. And then we do five uh, dark, horse, not even dark horses, but games that most people wouldn't even put on a top 10 list because <sighs> they're so, they're so small and unique and interesting. But I really, you know, I've always wanted to highlight that kind of stuff because oftentimes, like you said, a lot of people don't hear about them. And at the same time, they might be some of the most interesting things happening in video games. You know, there, there's such people taking risks because it's at, it's at a smaller scale. It's, it's they're, they're, you know, less expensive games to make. And I don't think you'd see something like this, uh, you know, Shogun Showdown. And it's such a fascinating idea. Somebody really wow. com came up with something fresh and interesting to do with a turn-based game. And, so yeah, I love I'm, stuff like that. I'm hoping, and, and again, this is me, I'm going to try to stay away from a tangent that'll take us to a three-hour show, but um, I, I I hope that the chat GPTs, the bard of the world, will help us with some. Um, I, I hope that maybe one of the things we get out of the new OAI overlords is that they will help us 
sift through the amount of content <laughs> out there that is is good for us. I mean, anecdotally and, and very quickly, um, there was a game called Fermi's Paradox. If you've never heard of it, it's essentially just what it sounds like. It's a Fermi Paradox is the idea that all civilizations die because you reach a point where civilizations just cannot get through, whether it's social, it's 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 uh, global, it's whatever, and you play global, you know, Galactic Gardener, basically God, and you're raising up species on different worlds and different universes, and you're helping them get through things, and I'm I'm like, I'm playing this on stream because I just happened to open up the email with the promotion. And I'm telling you, it is the most engaged my chat has been. I had almost three times the amount of chat engagement that night playing that game. I played it four more times because of that, because of how popular it was. Everybody was loving it. And I it was just a random blow off. That looks fun. Why not? And I'm like, I can't believe it. I can't wait to see this game once it's fully. Oh, it's been out for six years. Like, <laughs> holy crap. Why did I not hear about this yeah. game? For an, and, and it's just because the, the photo on the promotion just happened to catch my eye and it just got lucky and it was totally a game for me totally from my community it was 100% interactive and fun and it's like how do you where I'm going with all this is I don't know how you find those I do yeah. not know I know they're out there I know there are games that I would love if I could find them but I don't know if I'll ever find those yeah I agree and I guess that's why you know ho- hopefully folks like uh, us and and you know other uh, other people that do co- make content are trying to find the diamonds in the rough, you know, and, and share them with, with their audience. Um, you talk about the, you know, the chat GPTs of the world helping at that, you know, I don't mean to, to, to be uh, doom and gloom, but that's kind of already what's happening with like, you know, resumes for, for hiring, you know, that the most resume, most places that hire use a version of AI to sort of sift through and, and narrow the field. And it's fraught with problems. And I, I, it makes me worried. It's like, um, is that what we're just looking at now is, is literally everything is going to be that is, you know, people writing resumes to appease the AI, you know, rather than actually any humans. And, uh, that's my worry is that people will be, you know, marketing video games to appease the, the AI selection process. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you joke, maybe, maybe not joke. That's already happening though, where you market video games. The blog post is SEO optimized. That's true. Right. And like where that you, you put an ad above, you know, you put your kill zone to ad ahead of halo reach, you know, or or when someone searches for halo reach, you would see kill zone two to use two very old games. I I love your reference from, well, I'll try not to 2007. Current, current modern <laughs> game. So yeah, if you search if you search for uh The Last of Us Part 1, you're going to get mm. uh Plague Tale. You know, yeah, ad right, shows yeah. up or vice versa. And like that's all over the App Store. Um yeah. it's everywhere yeah. and it's hard to escape it. I I too would love a good uh friendly uh, recommendation engine, but I think the problem with it, Stephen, and I think there's a 99% invisible podcast about this. I think it might be called the problem with search. Which I think would apply here, which is like yeah. once something has an eco- economic locomotive behind it, yeah, it quits being the best version of the thing. Well, because <laughs> people it's... use it to make that money it's funny because just listening to you talk about it, Christian. You know, the one thing I was thinking, you know, you know, the system I love the most in the world is Netflix. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Netflix's way of knowing and understanding that we watch a lot of crap and that we don't necessarily <laughs> love it, and it only uses the algorithm to figure out, okay, you like this, but do you really, really like this? And there's a level above like that you can click, and 
you know, then that's what it uses for your algorithm. I think that is, is so far I've loved it. Yeah, I do worry that it's corrupt, and of course it could be, you know, hey, here's a here's a movie coming to giving hundred thousand dollars to Netflix to make sure that that ends up in my feed. Yes, that could be Elon Musk, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's nothing like that in video games. I mean, I'm a streamer. I understand I'm an outlier, but I play a lot of games that I have no interest in. I played, you know, 200 or some games on my stream. I've liked 30 of them. You know what I mean? So, like, that's the 30 I'd like you to select. You know, but I feel like that's not so different than you guys with your reviews and also the listeners, right? How many games have y'all gotten in your Steam library from a friend who doesn't know you that well, who you play all kinds of first person shooters and, you know, tactical games and they gifted you Mamma Mia cooking and you're like, I don't <laughs> thank you, I guess. I don't, you know, and the yeah. algorithm's like, oh, you want cooking games? Here you go. That's yeah. Netflix, Netflix, sorry, Jeff. Netflix needs a, a, a home screen. That it that it shows you when your friends are over. It's just like <laughs> prestige TV, you know, like yeah. just the good stuff. And then there's like uh, the yo, your friend's gone. We got you, boo. You yeah. know, like here's your love is blind, buddy. We got you. Uh, <laughs> Cheer, season four made just for you. And you're like, thank you. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's interesting. You 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 hold uh, Netflix up as the, as the Paragon, because I think that uh, I think steam very much wants to be that, you know, it tries really hard to be that like, Hey, look, here's, here's what, if you like these games, you'll probably like these games. And here's some, you know, here's other people in your, in your friends list are playing this. It's it's trying so hard to be that. It is. It it needs a better barometer than playtime. That's what it's currently using is how long did you play the game? And and the problem is sometimes I play games because I'm just confused by them or I'm trying to make (laughs) myself like them. Sometimes I want to want to like a game. I'm like, oh, come on. Everyone loves this game. I'm really going to like The Last of Us. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, uh, and and that's not always the greatest way to do it. Sometimes, unfortunately, we just end up spending time on crap. And, you know, that's 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 the name of the game. And, you know, I've got oh, I've got so many I could name on here that are in my Steam library that are not great, but they're in there. And I don't want Steam being like, oh, I see that you love Heist Kitty multiplayer. Well, let me show you what other thing. No, please don't. That's hilarious. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I uh, you know it's been a long time since we've talked uh, board games, but I want to carve out a little tabletop time for something very specific. So let's do that right now. This week, um, so, you know, we, we're, I love talking about board games and tabletop games, uh, and I love doing it for positive reasons, but unfortunately this week I think it's going to be a, a sad reason that we have to bring up uh, tabletop games because... We got some sad news this week. Uh, Klaus Tuber, the uh, the guy who created Settlers of Catan, which has now been called just Catan, uh, passed away. And I think he leaves a, a, a large footprint. He was a, a titan, uh, basically ushered in the age of designer board games. And Stephen, I know you uh, you are a fan yeah. of Catan and, and uh, were sad to see his passing as well, right? I was, and you know, I, I definitely, for those of you who uh, didn't want to hear any sad on the podcast today, you can write your angry mail to me at oh, no. uh, stephenhatemail at gmail.com. Actually, I don't know who that is. Don't do that. Um, but um, 
<laughs> but oh man, I feel bad for that person now. Uh, no, but uh, you know, I, the 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 sad thing for me is always when something that you loved and that creator is is gone. You don't know who it is. Uh, I really don't know much about that person, but I do know that that person's idea has brought me moments of joy and fun in my life. Uh, during the pandemic, I had never played uh, Catan before, but. Uh, for for disabled people like myself that don't get to get out that much because the world's not that accessible for us anyway uh, it was it was the one silver lining everything else was bad but the one silver lining was suddenly people who are normally out and busy are trapped inside and then we can be like hey we got it we got you baby let's go tabletop simulator it's the same thing as being in real life let's go and because I was able to convince my friends to get in and play on those games, uh, you know, we were able to have Catan nights, not something that I can't physically participate in. Uh, and I got to fall in with a whole new group of friends who were supportive and loving, and I'm happy to be in that group now. Um, but it was because of Catan. So, you know, it, it, it's a silly game where you get to trade cards and trade resources and lie to each other and backstab. And it, it's, it's a social deception game where you're fighting against your friends but you, you get to hate your friend during the game, and as soon as it's over, the hate goes away, and you're just like, all right, back to normal. Like, so it, it's pretty <laughs> great. You know, you can be mad your friend wouldn't give you his wood for your sheep, you know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, and that, and that kind of thing I think is just fun, and I think it's created, for me anyway, a lot of good moments. I'm, you two like board games, so I'm going to guess you too. Yes. I mean, uh, I, I love board games. Uh, Settlers of Catan was one of those games that – uh, opened my eyes to what board games could be could be and i think for a lot of people i mean it came out in 1995 uh yeah. and you know you grow up if you're like me in, in, in grow up an american kid you play you know clue and monopoly and a bunch of garbage games <laughs> you know? and you think that's what board games are right and then uh, some some guy named Klaus Tuber makes a game that literally fixes all the problems of board games where it's like, oh, I do something on everybody's turn. I'm not just sitting around waiting for my little sister to to go. Just just make a move. Just do anything. No, I get to have fun on yeah. every turn. You know, a different person's rolling the dice, but maybe that means something good for me because maybe my little plot of land comes mm -hmm, up and I get mm -hmm. some cool stuff. And on their turn, I can exchange items with them. And there's this like social layer and this dialogue that we're having. And he's, it, I mean, it was a total revelation to me at that time. And I think for a lot of people, it kind of, like I said, it ushered in this this whole era that we're in the golden age of now of, of designer board games, Klaus Tuber's name was on that box, you know, and uh, it's an amazing thing. I mean, he won the Spiel des Jahres, which is the most prestigious board gaming award. He won it four times. Um, and he, I mean, he's a, he's a Titan. His, his kids run his company, the, the, the Catan name turned into an empire and uh, he died. They got all the wood and all the sheep. They got all, yeah. the, all the brick, <laughs> yep. all of it. They um, traded in all the cards. Exactly. And uh, you can buy. They just came out this last year. They came out with these like insanely expensive, like three D, uh, full terrain versions of it. I, I covet them, but I'm not going to spend like three hundred dollars on a Catan set. But man, I'm tempted. Um, narrator. But if you want to sponsor did. us, Catan cover the yes. three of us would love a set. Uh... <laughs> agreed. Yes, agreed. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, you know, he died uh, this last week. Uh, he was only seventy, which I, you know, seems to me, a, yeah. a, you know, very young age these days. Uh, it's a sad thing to see him pass, but what a what a legacy he led. He left 
Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think it's wonderful, Stephen, that you wanted to to bring it up and, and mention what Catan meant to you and certainly meant a lot to me. I have many, many editions of Catan in my house and, um, you know, there's been many different versions of the game um, and it, it still works. It's still a, a beautiful experience. It's still a really easy, uh, easy game to teach. You can get up and playing it in no time and everybody loves it. You know, it's it's a universal, wonderful game. Um and, uh, you, know, I, you know, he seemed like a genuinely sweet man, too, uh, by all I accounts. I would love to hear from, like, your your viewers or if, if you two ever invite, you know, uh, one of the game psychologists onto your podcast. Like, I, you'll have to flag me and make me listen to an episode if you do, because you mentioned Monopoly. And, and let's be honest, uh, I, I bet everybody in this call and also listening at some point has gotten into a fight in real life <laughs> with someone over Monopoly or Risk. You, there, there are games yeah. that are friendship testers and yeah. sometimes you don't pass the test like there is something weird <laughs> about those games that just uh, it carries over and Catan you know it, it is wild it even with even when the game feels bad even when you got ganged up on and people just sabotaged you on purpose to make sure that you lost like there's something <laughs> about it afterwards that you're just like oh well on to the next and I, and I don't know what that is I don't know how he captured that magic but somehow he figured out that the 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 pvp board games feel bad and he figured out a way to make it feel like you're not wasting your time and you didn't hurt your friend you're just yeah. you're just having fun in a game you're being silly trading sheep for wood and whatever else and, and you know and you still you still get to jab at your friend and block them here and there and you know it, it it's just fun and I, and I, I would love psychologically to find out why is it so different? Why, why, if you know, my friend takes over Africa and loses me the game, am I super mad? But if he blocks me from getting longest road, I'm like, eh, whatever, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> it probably has something to do with the fact that it's it, the whole aesthetic is just meadows and sheep. It's very calming, you know. It's very sweet. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're right. It's um, it's a sad thing to see him pass, but uh, I, I'm glad to have the opportunity to reflect on, uh really a guy who changed the world like his his board game uh, you know i it it was a huge huge part in in where we are now with uh designer board games and what people are able to do and it's it's um it's uh wonderful wonderful thing yeah. all right well with that said um that's going to do it for this episode of DLC we do have parting gifts coming up so stick around for those but Steven Spawn, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for coming back and uh, being here today. We appreciate it. Yeah, you know, uh, this is one of the, the favorite ones I got to do pre-pandemic, uh, just because you guys like to have fun. And uh, it's a lot of my life is talking about accessibility. So it's good to be able to just talk about games and, and, and be goofy talking about what we're doing right now. And I think that's part of the charm of the, the great show here. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you are welcome back anytime, but in the meantime, unless, tell folks, I, I need, I need to asterisk, unless okay. this show ushers in yet another pandemic, then yeah, that would be bad. That would be, then it, yeah, then it really quite, feels like it was uh, our fault. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like the three horse people came together <laughs> and we caused it. So uh, we'll see, but TBD. <laughs> But if you know if if the Catan people send us that super expensive set, it'll all be, it'll all equal out. That's all I'm saying. Right? You know, um, <laughs> Stephen, tell folks where they can keep up with you, and and again, repeat uh, you know your gala event and all of the great stuff that you do online. 
Yeah, you know, uh, you can find me everywhere under Stephen Spawn, S-P-O-H-N. I'm on uh, all the social medias. Twitter used to be my main hangout until a certain Musk uh, sort of took over a lot of it. Uh, now it may be crumbling a little bit like never-ending story, but I'm still there for now. Um, and, uh, you know, streaming in part, part-time part is, is kind of one of my passions, and that that's kind of what led to the idea in my head of the Able Gamers Gala. You know, I'm, I'm a person and a content creator, and I hate in some circles how my name is Steven from Able Gamers, but I love what I do. I love helping people with disabilities, and so if you're in the game to help out a charity that is just doing for 16 years now, actually almost 17, uh, going on and helping the world by allowing people with disabilities to play video games just like you love to do you can do so by supporting able gamers we have a really cool event it's called the able gamers gala coming up on april 22nd 4 p.m eastern if you're listening to this in the future beyond that also tickets still being on sale and, and having the ability to donate to the charity itself this event is just to raise donations you know we do a lot with streamers where they do streaming events and it takes from their income or you do those things where you pay $500 for an egg that's Fabergé that you have no idea what the freak you're going to do with a $5 egg that's, you know, $5,000. We, we try to skip and cut out all of that and just go, hey, here's this cool event. Come hang out with us. Come meet all the streamers that you love from the streaming community, personalities you know from the internet. You know, I'd love to see you guys there and advertising it. That's your communities just to come by. Say hello. The first couple of hours, we'll be meeting people like yourselves who have communities that love and support them and then asking them to come give a donation for the opportunity to say hello. So it's kind of a meet and greet of sorts and then uh, getting to do cool things like announcing a world video with world of warships brand new video that we're premiering or getting to hear headliner brian weck from nsp like you know the millions of followers that they've got coming in and getting to uh, headbang out with brian's ninja shenanigans so should be fun i hope it's first of its kind in the charity industry and unfortunately it's not something i could pitch in less than five seconds well that is awesome all right uh, christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week I have a newsletter, send it once a month or so at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer, where you can subscribe to that. Um, I also have a website where you can see other goings on, a blog occasionally. It's christianspicer.com, where you can also buy copies, physical copies of my graphic novel, Consequences, which I'm very proud of. I have some extras um, from we made that that folks can buy at the website there. And then also... I, I, no one told me I couldn't say it. I'm joining one of my favorite podcasts this week to talk about one of the biggest movie openings ever um, to be what? on the film cast and talk about Mario. Can I, say that? I said it. You Too said late. it. I said it. It's on. It's I happening. It. I yeah, said it. Check Can't it take out. it back now, Jeff. No. Uh, somebody else invited you. I didn't invite you. <laughs> well, no, because someone else has good taste and runs a successful <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, uh, that's true. Check out the film cast. Um, it's 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 good fun. Uh show I do every week. Christian will be on. We'll be talking the Super Mario Brothers movie. There'll be a limerick. Eh, what, what could go wrong? Uh, also, I do um, another show called the We Have Concerns with Anthony Carboni, who you may be seeing uh, talking Star Wars this week at the Star Wars celebration. He's hosting stuff, but we do a we do a show about science and comedy. Uh, I also do a a uh, sports show called the Fan Controlled Show. You can find that at Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment. All that stuff everywhere you get podcasts. So check it out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, at Jeff Canard, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And again, email us here. Fan, uh, it's uh, 
dlcfeedback at gmail.com. His brain stopped working. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Steven, do you have a recommendation to help people get through their week? Uh, I do. I have been watching a show on Netflix called New Amsterdam. It's a medical drama that was like, uh, kind of like the Haken back to ER. Uh, reminds me of that kind of show. I loved ER when I was growing up. It was good. The writing on it kind of falls off after a couple of seasons, but uh, the first couple of seasons are amazing. Has like one of the first deaf actresses in a a main lead romance role in the show and that's pretty darn cool so uh, i'm always a fan of uh, inclusiveness yeah so new amsterdam and that's is that on netflix it's on netflix the first four is on netflix and then you gotta have peacock if you want to watch the last season because it just ended like the series ended in march so it's just freshly wrapped you can watch the whole thing Right that on. sounds like Steven's prestige Netflix queue, not his honest yeah. Netflix queue. Yeah, it's my prestige Peacock network. Only I can access it. <laughs> Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? NBA playoffs. We are in it. Uh, Lakers uh, have limped. I guess they didn't limp in. They limped out of the season and now kind of surge, but we're only able to finish in seventh place. So they have a play in game. Your Golden State Warriors, Jeff, secured the sixth seed. Yep. I love playoff sports basically so if you listen to the show for the nine plus years we've been doing it you've probably heard me mention some sport and when it's playoff seasons this is your chance fairweather fans pick a team and go all in like just root just have fun rooting for it uh and hopefully you're not disappointed or learn what it feels like to suffer a crushing defeat in the weight <laughs> of knowing it doesn't impact your life at all but my gosh, will it ruin a weekend? <laughs> oh, it sure will. <laughs> how, like do you, a... how do you sell someone on the NBA who feels like there is just so many games to watch, kind of like baseball? That's why it's playoffs now. Watch so the playoffs. Nothing matters. <laughs> nothing matters. Yeah, nothing <laughs> matters anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's a short season. Pretend those other teams don't exist. Look at the logos. Pick your favorite. Uh, you know, pick a number one ranked team if you want to have a good odds of watching a few series and just have fun with it. I think what. The NBA is hard because the season is long and it's a very physical game. Um, and team and there's back to backs and teams rest their star players because they have to. Um, but it makes for unexciting middle of the year games to watch. But the playoffs now, everybody's playing their best folks. Hopefully they're all rested and injury free. And you have these stars playing like their life depends on it you know like the intensity of playoff basketball i think is unmatched in their series like i love march madness but one and done is harsh and seeing some of these teams battle back i mean not to nothing to do with you jeff but like when cleveland won it in seven games against golden state like apart from the teams it's just mind-blowing drama heartbreaking heartbreaking is what you said it was a mind-blowing drama of watching teams battle uh over a course of a series. So <laughs> this is a perfect time to jump in, Stephen. And then when after the playoffs, forget basketball exists again until next year's playoffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my parting gift is uh, a little self-serving, but I'm going to use it to promote the DLC Book Club, which we just started, Lana Bashinsky and myself. I love books. I love reading. And it's been way too long since I've done a lot of it. Uh, you know, I had kids and it just, I just, didn't read for a while and i'm so glad to be back i love reading and i love reading fantasy so lana and i are uh, are teaming up and doing a book club we're calling the dlc book club 
and we're inviting uh, folks to read along with us. The books we're reading are the Malazan Books of the Fallen. These are the books by Stephen Erickson. The first book is called Gardens of the Moon. And we put out the first episode talking about the first half of that book, uh, which I think we've realized is a little bit too big of a chunk. So we're gonna, subsequent episodes are going to have smaller chunks of the book to talk about. But I think uh, we've gotten really great feedback on the first episode. We do a whole section at the beginning that is not spoilery. Uh, we talk a, a lot about just our reading and our history with reading. And, and the, even folks that aren't reading the book with us have enjoyed the first half of the episode. It's available on my YouTube page, uh, which is youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff, I think, uh, because my because Jeff Kanata was my old Justin TV name that I never claimed. And so is uh, dead to used for anybody. Anyway, eh, no need to go into that. But um, uh, check it out. Uh, we also put out the, an audio version, a podcast version exclusive for patrons. Uh, and uh, people have been really digging it. In fact, Steven Erickson himself commented on the commented on the, the thing i was very proud of that uh he he gave his uh show of support uh the author of the book that we're talking about so um check it out it's the dlc book club uh, you can find it on my youtube page we also got a listener suggested parting gift this was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com it comes from andrew who says i uh, wanted to send in another music parting gift that i think will be 100 percent up christians avenue the band meet me at the altar is a new act signed to the same label that produced great pop punk acts like Fallout Boy, Paramore, etc. And let me tell you, Meet Me at the Altar's new album, Past, Present, Future, is a pop punk fever dream ripped straight out of 2008, made by a new generation. Not only is their music the perfect soundtrack to spring and summer, but the band has amazing representation, rarely seen in the emo pop punk space, with all three members being people of color. I'd really recommend everyone giving their album a listen, including their single, Say It To My Face, which may sound familiar because it was a, in a Taco Bell ad. Now, if you like it, they just announced a new tour and tickets are on sale now. Love the show, Andrew. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Christian, are you familiar with uh, Meet Me at the Altar? Love them. I think they've been a, a parting gift before for some of their EPs. They are great. The kids and I are listening to them today uh, as we are tooling around town a little bit. They are fantastic. And their origin story is also fantastic, where they kind of met over the internet. Two folks, a three, it's a, a three folk band, and two were knowing each other and creating some pop punky demos. Like, we should do this. And they kind of put out a casting call, internet casting call for a singer. And there's a whole story for how they found their singer. But they are awesome, and their new their new full length is great. It's very good. There you go. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We love getting all kinds of cool recommendations from the audience. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks again to Stephen Spawn and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Uh, you can get DLC swag, including T-shirts and mugs and all kinds of cool stuff with our awesome logo at DLCSwag.com. Thank you for uh, making that website, Jason J. Anderson. And a particular thank you goes to our patrons who make the show possible. Without them, we would not be able to do it. So thanks, patrons, for supporting the show at Patreon.com slash DLCPod. Our top-tier patrons 
are called our Hype Train patrons, and they get their names shouted out at the end of every episode, which I'm going to do right now. Yeah, girl. It's time to thank the Hype Train patrons, Jason Novak and Taylor Wigard, Octavian Retzio, and Jed, Josh Peak, and Peter Olberg. It's Nick Strauss-Klein and Michael Buck, Jackson and Michael Stadler, Travis and Mike Lombardo. It's Soren Silk and Yick and the Spice Man Silencer and Albert of the Stuff and Junk Show Podcast. Mm hmm. You know it's true. Jonathan Spice Man Forever Schlepfer. That's what I'm talking about. And Zachary White. Oh. And Stu Goss. And Nate, Kevin Brazel, and Jenny and Ben, Scott Hughes, and Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, and Mark Gowden, it's Jimmy Radcliffe, and Jonathan Putney, it's Mitchell Ness, and Jeff Luxack, it's Will with one L Harris. Chris Zacharias to Matt Bradley and Jonathan Talbert and Victor Valenzuela Victor Valenzuela oh yeah Scooby Diesel and Cheesy Bob it's Adam Denby and Hank Patton Sasson and Kylie Star it's Riley Knox Nanny Joyce Matt Valdez and Michael S It's Relentless Rex and Curtis from Louisville It's comedian Aaron Trahan It's David F and that's not all No, no, no Sure you can it's Hyperboy 66. It's Scott Lambert and Brian Yodan. It's Joe D. Frank. It's Kevin Eddy. It's Stephen T. Seifert. It's Rob Wonder Rob Dominguez and Tyler Buck. Wild Road It's Dwayne T. Robinson ah. and That's our That's our Hype Train patrons Thank you, thank you all of you For making this night Extra funky Alright Thanks again for listening, we'll see you next week Until then, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place.